0: Good morning, church. Welcome. So glad you chose to join us here at Cross Point this morning. And uh, I was going to say March 25th, 2018, you drove to church and hopefully lived to tell about it. What a crazy weather, huh? We're so glad you're here. Visitors, welcome. As the First Impressions team comes, they're going to be handing down each row our connections card. We'd like for you to, to make a note of your visit with us there this morning. If you have any prayer requests, if you have any needs, we would like to know about that. So those will be going down each of the aisles. Also, I've got some very exciting Crosspoint family news to announce to you. I don't think I'm the first one announcing this because we live in a world of social media, so I did sneak a peek and see it on social media. But Pastor John and Miss Sarah are expecting their second child in November. Congratulations to them. And I guess Mr. Leon, too, he's expecting a, a big brother or sister or something. Do we, we don't know. Do we don't know something. It's a brother or sister. We know that much, yes. So congratulations to you guys. We're very, very excited about that. And by, the most, by the way, this morning we had prayer time before the service, and I noticed Mr. Leon walking through here with his really cool hair, and he walked over here like this, and, and Eric was sitting here with one of his boys, and, and I saw him. He's trying to jump up. He couldn't get up. He couldn't get up. He wanted to sit here. As soon as Mama sat him up here, he sat down, and he'd go just instantly went to prayer. It was very tender, so... John, congratulations to you and your family. We're excited about that. All right, church, are you ready to dig into God's Word this morning? Wow, that was exciting. Church, are you ready to dig into God's Word this morning? Is everybody awake and ready to go? I'm going to call on you if you don't answer me. All right. I want you to turn, to please, to 1 Peter chapter 2. And as you're turning there, I have a question for you. Who are you? What is your identity? If I were to ask you that question this morning, what is your identity, depending on your set of circumstances that you're living in right now, you're going to give me an answer. And depending on how those circumstances change, your answer is going to change. So if I said to you, what is your identity? Somebody's somebody's going to give me their name. Somebody's probably going to tell me where you live. I live I live in Goodfield, Illinois. My name is Phil. I work at a certain place. I'm married to a certain person. My children's names are such and such. I grew up in a specific community, and that would be my identity. The problem with that is that is the earthly, fleshly identity that everybody has, whether we're a believer or not a believer. We all have those identities. And as our circumstances change, so goes our identity. Marriages dissolve, jobs come and go, churches change. And therefore, our identity goes with that if we have just a fleshly identity those things should not define us if we place our identity in those things then our life is going to be this ever-blowing wind uh, with the winds of change today my identity is this but when that thing changes all of a sudden i don't know what i am or who i am anymore and now i am this and there's nothing rock solid believers listen closely to me we as a church we as the Blood-bought children of God have got to drive down deep the roots of our identity upon the truth of God's Word. It tells us who we are. And as believers, it tells us we have an unchanging identity. Did you know you were a chosen race? This morning in prayer, Eric talked about that. We are a chosen race. We are a royal priesthood. We are a specific, peculiar people. We are a holy nation. We are a people set apart for His purposes and His passions. Those are unchanging things that are are your identity as a believer in Jesus Christ. And why has God given us that identity? So that we, as a church of Jesus Christ, can proclaim the fact that He drew us out of darkness into His glorious light. Amen? I was drawn out of darkness and placed in His glorious light. I didn't do anything like that. I didn't have the power to do that. You didn't have the power to do that. You were saved if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you have placed your faith upon the fact that He went to that cross, He bled and died for you, and then He rose again conquering sin and death. You have been drawn out of utter pure darkness and placed into glorious light. Praise God for that. That ought to be something we stand and shout daily. That ought to be something we never forget. That is our identity in Jesus Christ. And as the winds of change of this world come and go, our identity does not change. Circumstances change, but also we know this much, God is in control of even those things. I do believe I heard this morning quoted Romans 8, 28, it said, all things happen for the good of those who love Christ and are called according to His purpose it's for his glory and our good that those things are happening he uses even the trials of our life to mold us and to make us into the image of his son jesus christ anybody feeling the trials of life this morning anybody feeling the outward pressure molding and making you and things that don't make sense things that are coming from the left and from the right and barraging you from the front and maybe pounding you from behind god will use every one of those things to ultimately weave it back for your good and his glory. Even when it doesn't make sense. And especially when it doesn't make sense. And you're saying, are you kidding me? You Even the evil things of this world God uses? Yes, even the evil things of this world God uses to mold his church into his glory for your good. Is that a good God? That's a good God. Are there bad things going on in our world right now? Are there hard things going on in your life right now? Trials and tribulations you wish you could escape? And they just persist. They won't go away. And his word says, you persist. You endure. We just sang about it. You endure through that darkest trial because there's coming a day when you'll be able to look back and you'll go, aha, I see it now. A famous poet said there's one time when you're looking into your life, it's like everything's crashing into everything else. And this is pounding in over here. And this doesn't make sense over there. And 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 all this noise up here and it's like a train wreck in front of me and a car accident beside me and a health problem on this side and then one day you look back over a period of time and it all looks like a perfectly tuned symphony that's the god we serve and everybody this morning came in carrying something and we prayed for you this morning there was a sweet prayer brought by one of the ladies that was praying with us this morning Knowing that everybody here was going to be walking in this morning carrying some kind of backpack of trials tribulations stresses worries fears anxieties Health problems relational strife And I stand before you to say god will use every one of those things for your good and his glory ultimately And he will do it in a way that will surprise you and shock you And he will do it in a way that brings him glory And he will do it in a way that the world will stand back and go who are you and who is this god that you serve? And It is an awesome thing to be a Christian So we are called to be a chosen race we are called to be a royal priest to a holy nation a people Set apart for his possession. So back to my question. Who are you? What is your identity and if your identity were those things that I listed? Your name where you live where you're from where you work. Those are earthly fleshly identities and those things change the other night as I was driving from Washington to Goodfield I Had to prove my identity yeah. The Mr. Officer, as he knocked on my window, <laughs> said, Could I please see your driver's license? Could I please see your proof of insurance? And can I please see your registration? What were those things? Proof of my identity. And as I handed it to them, I handed it to him him hoping that he'd be very gracious. <laughs> and he was not. <laughs> so I stand before you, a convicted felon. <laughs> convicted something i was not It wasn't felony it was a convicted something but i know this much on the bottom of that piece of paper he gave me i've got a date now that i have to pay a certain fine by because my car was too fast here's why we have this identity we're going to come to this verse in just a moment but it says that we have this identity in christ that i might proclaim him the one who called me out of darkness into his glorious light dear one hear me this morning if you have been saved if jesus christ has redeemed your soul he has renamed you and he has now taken on the responsibility of giving you an identity and because of that glorious and eternal merciful loving act and we've been given a new identity we now have to have a new set of convictions that we live by i want to talk to you just a minute about convictions convictions are things that we live upon they're rock solid they do not change you make your decision to live on a conviction before you have to be in the heat of a moment let me give you an example of that i have two daughters when they were little bitty girls since the time they were old enough to hear their daddy's voice and understand it i began to teach them what purity was all about i began to teach them how their body was a temple for god and it was to be saved for a specific man that god had designed for them And they began to live on that conviction of purity. And as their teenage years came, and the temptation for things that were impure came into their life, they did not have to make those decisions on what they were going to do in the heat of the moment. Because if they waited till that moment, they would fall. They made those decisions to live on conviction of purity way back here. And as Christians, we've got to live on a new set of convictions because we have a new identity in jesus christ and peter gives us an idea of what our convictions should be first peter chapter two here's where god begins to speak to us and peter says so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander hey church he's talking to you and he says put away all malice malice is the intent to do evil There are things in my life I've intended and meant for evil for somebody else. And Peter says, put that away. That doesn't identify a Christian anymore. It might identify the world. The world is evil. You are to put away all malice. You are to put away all deceit. Deceit is concealing the truth. It's another way of saying stop lying. Stop lying to yourself. Stop lying to your spouse. Stop lying to your employer. Be truthful. And then put away all hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is me trying to make you think I'm something that I'm not. That's a hypocrite. We come in and we worship and we want each of us to look at each other with a a specific facade. I only want you to see Phil Cooper like this. But behind that facade is a man who struggles just like you. A person who deals with sin and temptation just like you and we're supposed to put away that hypocrisy and be transparent with one another scripture says confess your sins one to another and then pray for each other that we might be healed put away envy that's me desiring things that i don't have and then put away slander that's false statements that are intended to damage someone else's reputation ever been guilty of that one i have been it's called gossip slander and sometimes we as christians mask that as prayer requests hey pray for so-and-so did you hear about them what they're going through and our prayer request turns into a nice little gossip session about them and we're to put those things away but notice peter doesn't say just to put those things away to other believers he just says put them away they're not for you And what about that coworker? What about that boss? What about that neighbor? Put those things away. God is in control of us now. And why are we to live like that? What is the reason we're to put those things away? Verse two and three. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk that it may, that you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Why are you to put those things away? So that you can grow up grow up into what grow up into your salvation Does that mean that you put those things away and you earn your salvation? Absolutely not, but god has given you a massive gift called salvation It's like god gave you a very big set of clothes that are way too big for you And you've got to grow up into those over time. How are you to grow up into your salvation? Ultimately when your salvation is complete when your sanctification is complete you will go home to be with jesus christ in heaven And between the time you got saved and the time you go home, you are to be growing up. How do you grow up, Peter? Peter says, put away these things first and foremost. This isn't the only thing, but these are good things. Put away malice, put away deceit, put away hypocrisy, put away envy, put away slander. And grow up into your salvation. God has given us a new set of clothes. They're too big for us and we have to grow up into them. Now, church, collectively, this should be happening all across this sanctuary and anybody else that calls this place home and quite honestly the church is not just this place the church is anybody who claims jesus christ as the lord and savior of their life and this sanctification this growing up process should be taking place all across jesus christ's church worldwide and as i look at the church today i wonder sometimes are we much different than the world The last three Sundays, we've been going through some things. Dave has been teaching on loving one another and having unity and seeking separation and holiness and proclaiming the Lord. And then we come to verses four and five here. This is the last of a four-part series we're walking through, but we are to be sanctified. We are the church of the living God. Look at verses four and five. He's talking to you personally. As you, who is you? The church, who are you? You are you. You are the one who has claimed Jesus Christ as your Savior. You've been redeemed and drawn out of darkness into light. So this is you. As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ we are the church of the living God God resides in you I want you to ponder that thought for just a moment the same God who spoke everything into existence in a moment of time everything you've ever experienced from the sky that we all adore when it's sunny to the stars that just kind of hang out there in nothing To the air that you cannot see, but you desperately need. To the blood that pumps through your veins. To the beautiful things of life like grandchildren and children and spouses and each other. He spoke it into existence. Think of the power of that. What have you ever spoken into existence? I'll tell you what I've spoken into existence. Trials, tribulation, heartache, hard feelings. That's what i've spoken into existence God spoke everything into existence that same exact god now resides in me and in you That's a thought too much to ponder sometimes That's an awesome thought The word awesome we try in our family to reserve that reserve that for one thing and that's god and god alone That is an awesome thought church that god resides in you We are no longer controlled by sin. Why? Because God resides in us. Now, pause all of that for just a moment. Did you hear what I just said? This comes directly from Romans chapter 6. We're not going to turn there this morning, but Romans 6 says, you are no longer controlled by sin. Doesn't feel like it. Anybody fall to temptation recently? Lust, pride, envy, slander, strife, malice. Uh, Yeah, guilty, 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 guilty. Phil, wait a minute, I've fallen to all these things, and yet uh, Romans chapter 6 says it no longer controls me because it says I'm a living stone, I'm a chosen people, I'm a heavenly people. Sin does not control us. We have an old nature inside of us, dear ones, and it's a war every day for you to follow the new nature or succumb to the old nature. We as Christians are supposed to live contagious and offensive lives. Contagious you're supposed to live your life in such a way that the world cannot stop looking at you It's almost like they can't quit looking at you contagious They watch you through the the trials of life. They watch you through the financial hardships They watch you through the medical hardships. They watch you through the relational hardships. They watch you through the loss of a job They watch you through all of these things that everybody deals with and you stand steadfast upon the faith that god is carrying you every day And it's contagious to them we're to be contagious people. We're also to be offensive people. Offensive because the gospel of Jesus Christ is singular in nature. You preach the singularity of Jesus Christ and Him crucified and, say, or, and risen from the uh, death for your salvation. That is offensive to a lost and dying world. They don't want to hear one way to God. They want to hear there's two ways to God. There's three ways to God. I can get there by works. I can get there, but no, there is not. It is singular. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, raised from the death, period, for your salvation. And that is offensive and that's the gospel of jesus christ So as i'm studying this week i'm thinking to myself am I contagious and am I offensive Probably more offensive in the wrong ways But am I contagious can the world just not stop looking at me Because someday when they're going to go through something they're going to turn and say I don't know what it is You've got but I want it and that day has come many times in my life where people have come to me and said, I don't know what's going on. I've seen you for 20, 30 years doing this and staying, staying steadfast. And I know the trials you went through and, and yet you're different than most. Why? It's a contagious life. And you, church, dear one, are to be living contagious and offensive. Let's look at chapter 2, verse 6, 7, and 8. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying, this is God saying, I Himself and laying in zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious and whoever believes in him that's jesus will not be put to shame So the honor is for you who believe that's for you and me but for those who do not believe That stone that jesus that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling And a rock of offense The world will and always has rejected jesus christ We'll continue to do so you know i this is a little bit outside this off the script but it, and not even in my notes i'm gonna tell you how dark and deceitful the human heart is there's coming a day when the church is no longer on this earth and we're with jesus christ in revelation chapter three you never see after that you never see the word church mentioned the rapture of the church happens and the tribulation begins there's a thousand year millennial reign we there, just come to the end of that thousand years with me just for a second during a thousand years jesus christ is on earth the church is here with him and he's ruling and reigning from Jerusalem. It's a time of peace and prosperity. It says they have taken all their weapons and beat them into plowshares. In other words, it's peace. It's awesome time on earth. And I listen, now during that time, Satan and all his demons are locked in the abyss. And Jesus Christ has the key to that abyss, and he locks them in there. But here's where it gets crazy. After a thousand years of peace and prosperity, and Christ himself is on the earth, and all, the, all of heaven is poured back out, we're on the earth. It says Satan is loosed from the abyss one more time, and it tells us why so he can go around the globe one more time to deceive the hearts of mankind what that's how dark and depraved we are without jesus christ giving us a new identity and saving our wretched souls and drawing us from darkness and placing us into light even after all of that humankind is still able to be deceived that blows my mind but that's the world and they reject jesus verse 9 This is what we want to hang on this morning. But you are a chosen race, church. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Look at verse 10. This is awesome because it is God. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people once you were you had not received mercy but now you have received mercy can anybody say amen to that you have received mercy mercy is something that has been given to you that you should have I'm sorry. grace is something that's been given to you that you did not deserve mercy is it wasn't given to you what you did deserve hell fire and brimstone separation from all eternity from god that hasn't been given to you as a believer You've been given mercy. You've been given glory and eternity with Jesus in a place called heaven. Praise Him for that. We sit here this morning under trial, tribulation, and suffering, and soon and very soon that is going to end, and you are going to be with Jesus forever because you have been given mercy. Uh, Here's a question for you. Have you ever willingly sinned, but then afterwards felt the torment of that sin in your soul? The fire churning and burning inside of you. It's called conviction. Uh, guilty is charged. I have willingly stepped into places of sin and later churning and burning in the fire that it burns deep in my soul. Look at verse 11. He's giving you more sanctification instructions. Peter's saying, beloved, that's you, church. I urge you as sojourners and exiles. He's saying this earth is not your home. That's what he's telling you and he gives you some instructions abstain from the passions of the flesh why peter because they wage war against your soul we're not called to be sinful creatures anymore we are dead to sin sin is dead to us but there's an old nature still in you as long as you're on this earth and you have a choice every day which one of those natures you're going to follow that old nature or that new nature and when you follow that old nature it wars excuse me, it wages a war against your soul and you will feel it. It's called conviction of sin. Peter goes on, we won't turn there, but you turn just a couple chapters to the right and in 1 Peter 5, 8, he reminds us we have an enemy that's seeking our soul, seeking to devour us, tear us down, destroy us, not slow us down and buffet us a little bit, absolutely destroy us. If we give in to him, he takes footholds, Pretty soon you'll see a Christian start to fall and start to falter and fall out of favor with God. Not fall out of salvation. We don't believe that's something you can lose. You can't lose your salvation. You can fall out of favor with God. You can lose your fellowship with him. Never your sonship, but you can lose fellowship with him. Been there, folks. That's a very ugly place to be. So how do we resist him? Peter tells us in verse Peter 5:9, you resist him. Okay, Peter, how do you do that? By the word of God and obedience to it. Every Old Testament prophet had one message and one message only. Go back and read whether the major major or the minor prophets, it doesn't matter. They had one message and one message only. Repent. Repent. Thus says the Lord, repent. For the day of the Lord is at hand. Repent. Turn from your wicked way. Turn back to God. Fall back into His favor. Repent. He gives us a few more things here which I am going to read lightly and then we're going to come to a verse that I want you to hang very solidly to. Look at verse 12. Let's read 12 through 15 together. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable. That's the unbelievers. That's how we're supposed to live our life. Why? So you're contagious. So that when they do speak evil against you, and they will, they may see your good deeds and they will glorify God on the day of visitation Be subject for the Lord's sake To every human institution whether we agree with it or not God placed governments in place whether we agree with them whether we're democrat or republican it does not matter obey them That's what he's saying Every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme Or to the governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good And by the way, some people say, I just really wonder what the will of God is for my life. I really wonder. Look at this verse right here. Next verse. For this is the will of God. That's pretty clear. This is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Not by your eloquent words, but by doing good, you put to silence ignorant, unlearned, unregenerate people. You want to know the best way to witness to somebody? Tells you right here. Do good. Do good. Your life will be contagious to them. Do good. And then I want to hang on two verses. Verse 16 and verse 17. Peter gives us a few more instructions, and then he says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood fear god honor the emperor live free live as servants of god when we're following god's commands we are truly free you're free from everything that's besetting you today you're free from that sin you're free from that guilt you're free from that shame you're free from everything that besets you today we're coming into the easter season here and i want to talk about a story that i just want you to if you would close your bibles just for a moment and all eyes up here. This will not be on the overhead. This will not be something I ask you to turn to. I just want to remind you of a story of a man. His name was Barabbas. We're coming into this Easter season. And, on this, and during this Easter season, we see the story of Jesus Christ getting ready to go, go to the cross. And right in the middle of this story, this beautiful story, Palm Sunday and the entrance into Jerusalem. And he stands before Pilate and he, he gives a testimony. And then ultimately he is... He is whipped and he's beaten and he goes to the cross. And that's the story that we know of. That's the Easter story. That's the story we're telling our children back there. And they're, you know, we have the palm branches. You've seen children wave on Palm Sunday. Today in Jerusalem, actually, right now, today is the Palm Sunday celebration. And they're walking down the Via Dolorosa right now, waving palm branches. And we as Christians, as the church, we're celebrating this Palm Sunday, the entrance of our Savior into Jerusalem before He's crucified. That's the Easter story. And we celebrate that, and that's what it should be. But intersecting that story is a story that breaks the narrative of this man named Barabbas, who was a murderer and a thug, and he was a, a leader of some kind of insurgent rebellion going on in Jerusalem. And he's arrested and he's put on death row just like Jesus, was arrested and given a death sentence. And it's Jewish custom that on a holy day that the governor of that region releases one of those prisoners. And on this stage you have Barabbas and you have Jesus, the thug, the murderer, the rebel, the unregenerate, and you have the Son of God. What has He ever done? Heal and restore and And bring back the sight and bring back the the hearing to the deaf and make the lame walk and, and bring redemption to a lost and dying world. And over here, you've got an unregenerate murderer. And standing in the center is a man named Pilate who looks out upon the Jewish people and says, it's your tradition. Who do you want? Now, this is the dark depravity of the human heart. What do they cry out? Give us Jesus. No, they do not. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Kill him. Kill him. Give us Barabbas. It's blasphemy. This character named Barabbas, he completely intersects this beautiful Easter story. And in this very moment, Pilate holds the destiny of these two men in his hands. It's his decision who he's going to release. And ultimately, he releases Barabbas. This thug, this murderer, this crook. The man who deserved death and over here stands silently, the son of God. Not repaying evil for evil, not giving vengeance for vengeance. He stands silently. Why does he stand silently? Because he knew he came to this earth to do one thing and one thing only. To die for your sins. To die for the sins of Barabbas. To die for the sins of Pilate and barabbas the roman soldiers walk up and they unlock the chains and barabbas walks down free there's never any biblical account that barabbas turns and looks at jesus and goes man thank you i owe you everything thank you never any account of that he just walks into the crowd and off he goes and there stands jesus christ before pilate before the jewish people because he knew that God had to treat him like Barabbas so that he could treat Barabbas like Jesus. Now, do you know who Barabbas is in that story, really? Barabbas is me, and Barabbas is you, and Barabbas is us. We are the ones that have stood on the stage with Pilate and Jesus, and the Roman soldiers have come up and unlocked our chains because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, Christ on that cross it was not the people who freed barabbas it was the heavenly father and the love he had for humanity that freed barabbas folks try to ponder the depth of that it is unbelievable at times what does unbelievable mean you don't believe it how can such a thing be it's to me it's almost unbelievable god is the one who set barabbas free It was the love that he had for that sinful man It was almost like you stand here and say god didn't you know That barabbas would never acknowledge you he'd never tell anybody about you God said I knew quite well. I knew exactly and I loved him anyway He loved us when we were still sinners Had nothing to do with us giving our lives to him. He died on that cross while you were still an enemy of his That's incredible What's that word I told you we save in our home? That is awesome. As you were still an enemy of God, he went to that cross for me. Just like you and me, he did this. And then we stand, and this is where I really want you to get the power of today's message. This is really what I believe God is speaking to me this week, and I pray that he speaks to you through this. We get saved, we come to Jesus Christ, and we Accept Him as our Savior, and we lay our lives down before Him, and we become regenerate, and we get a new identity. And then we go off into this world, and then the, the world besets us. And many of you have walked in here this morning carrying something. When that prayer was prayed for you this morning, I thought more truer words could not be spoken. Some of you have come in here this morning with incredible addiction, and incredible pain, or unbelievable hurts. Or some kind of bondage that has gotten you and you can't seem to get out of it. And so what do you do? You do just like I always do. I'm going to work harder this week. David or Eric or somebody or John has given a message on Sunday morning and it convicts me. Okay, this is the week I'm finally going to do something. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to do my devotions more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to sin less. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. No, I'm not. And neither are you. There's nothing inside of us that sanctifies us just like there's nothing inside of you that saved you. You get sanctified the same way you got saved, by the grace of God. He sanctifies us. I don't know what you came in here with, but here is the list that I made up, and I just briefly described a moment ago. I know some of your testimonies, and I know some of the addictions that some of you face, and some of the pain and the fear and the needs and the hurt and the bondage and the uncertainty and the anxiety and the worry and the medical issues, and the financial needs. And you can't go out of here today and go in tomorrow morning thinking, I'm going to shake myself out of this. I'm going to finally do something because you will falter and you will fail. That's the absolute opposite of the gospel. Your challenge, your greatest challenge, is not your devotion to God. Your greatest challenge is your disbelief of the gospel and the power it has today. The gospel is not just to get us saved. The gospel is to carry us into sanctification all the way to eternity with Jesus Christ. Our greatest challenge is belief of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you bound by something today? Does something control you? Full disclosure, yes, for me. There are things that I'm dealing with that I have dealt with for way too long that I've tried to fix. And I'm still dealing with them. Why? I'm trying to deal with them in the fleshly power of Phil Cooper and it's not working. It's not about what I can do with this. It's about what God can do with this and how He will receive glory through this. How He will break the chains of addiction. How He will break the chains of pain. How He will heal these things. How He will mold and meld relationships back together. He receives glory through that for our good and His glory. Our greatest challenge is not what we can do. Peter says, put off these things, put on a few other things, do these things, just so the world would look at you being contagious. But it's the power of the gospel working in us that heals us. So my question to you again is, are you bound by something? Are you under temptation of sin? Is it controlling you? because back to that verse live as people who are free and my question to you is are you living a life that's free and this was a convicting message for me as i studied all through this week because i had to keep saying lord i'm not i'm not i'm not and every time i said i'm not i had to go back to him say here it is again lord here it is again lord here it is again He's the one who took my place. He's the one who took your place. He's the one who stood on that platform with Barabbas and said, let him go. Take me. How many times, I wonder, how many times for me and how many times for you have I stood on that platform as the Roman soldiers have come up and tried to unlock my chains to let me go because my Savior told them to. And I stand there and say, no, God, no, no, don't. I deserve this. I deserve the consequences of this. I deserve the shame of this. I deserve the guilt of this. No, leave those chains on. I don't want to live a free life. Leave those chains on me. My problems are too big. My sin is too deep. I'm hopeless. And I go to God and I say, God, I'm so ashamed of what I've done. And the response that I get from him, the response that I get is, son, give me your shame. God, I'm so scared. Son, give me your fear. But God, I'm so worried about the future. I'm already there. I'm working it out for your good, for your glory. The book of Isaiah says he takes the crooked paths and he makes them straight for us. We either believe it or we don't. Just because you don't believe it, by the way, doesn't make it not true. Somebody in this room could say, I do not believe in gravity. I'll give you a ladder and put you to the top of this building and you can stand there with all the conviction in the world and say i don't believe in gravity it doesn't make it not true and as you step off the edge of that building all the way to the ground you can say i don't believe in gravity i don't believe in gravity and you will find out quickly gravity is real just because we don't believe in the power of the gospel doesn't make it not real let me close with this dear ones this is all we have is the gospel of jesus christ All we have is the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of us. And when I say that's all we have, that's all we need. You have nothing in and of yourself that could save you, and you have nothing in and of yourself that can free you from the bondage that so easily besets you. John 8.36 836 says, When the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. I just heard this this week. I stole it from somebody, but here's what I want to say. Could it be possible that there is a God with a love so high and so deep and so wide and so expansive and so inclusive? And He says, give me your sin and live free. Is that possible? And the answer is yes, He exists. And He's inviting you to live free. He takes your sin and He walks off to that cross where you and I should be and He leaves you in this empty place called forgiveness as He goes to that cross for you and for me i know you weren't there 2000 years ago and neither was i but he did that and he does that over and over he keeps taking our sin he paid that price he shed that blood you know i remember sitting in a service one time and i thought if i heard that gospel message one more time this isn't for me i'm saved i don't need to hear this yes you do yes i do Where do I get off thinking that I can set myself free because I cannot so my question to you again Is that is this where is your bondage? And if you're trying to do anything other than Surrender that to jesus christ you will fail. It's still jesus. It will always be about jesus. It will never stop being about jesus If his blood is sufficient for your salvation It is sufficient to sustain you through every challenge through every trial through every fear through every sin He's given you the greatest gift, salvation. It is your responsibility now to grow up into that. Put off the old, put on the new. Today the message was about your identity. I ask you who you are. And if you gave all the answers that I would have given, my name, my job, my spouse, my kids, my accomplishments, then your identity is in the wrong thing. It is an ever-changing, ever-blowing stream of change but if your identity is in jesus christ you can live free surrender to him today i invite you pray with me if you would please holy spirit father almighty jesus we come before you i ask right now in this moment of invitation father that you would lay upon the hearts of people to make a decision to put off the old and to put on the new i pray right now father as we even begin to uh, to sing to you again to worship you that you would even use that time to draw hearts of men and women to yourself father we do pray this in your powerful name we pray god the gospel would be real to us not just for salvation but for sanctification i pray this christ in your name amen please keep your heads bowed for just a moment worship man is going to begin to play i just want to ask you a couple of questions what did you come in here with it's not for you to tell me it's for you to tell the lord did you come in here with some kind of bondage of sin that has just beset you and you cannot break free from that it's something that you've dealt with for so long and it's just there it won't leave you it's a fear it's a worry it's an anxiety it's a an addiction of some kind it's a relational problem. It's something that's going on in your life and it's besetting you and you have tried and tried and tried to free yourself from this and it's failing you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, and you've come in here with something heavy like that today, would you please raise your hand and let me pray for you right now. All across the sanctuary, eyes closed, hands raised high in worship to God. God, forgive us for, for raising dirty hands to you. Oh, God, these people who have raised their hands, they're hurting, Lord. Touch them right now. Show them the power of your gospel, Jesus. Transform them into the image of Jesus Christ, that you would receive glory, that you would receive every recognition, Father, that we would get nothing but what you deem as good. Touch their hearts today. Please visit them in a powerful way now, Christ. Amen. Please keep your heads bowed. Just one more question Has anybody walked in here today not knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Praise God. You're here. That's not by mistake. If you want to know Jesus Christ and you want to know that life that can set you free, He has invited you here to hear the truth. You have heard the truth, and the truth is this. He went to that cross. He bled a torturous, bloody death for you, and he took your sin into the grave. And by his own volition, he rose again and conquered sin and conquered death. And he lives today at the right hand of God Almighty, and he's beckoning you to surrender your life to him. And all you have to do is invite him in now and say, I want to be saved. I believe Jesus is the King. I believe he died for my sins. Would you pray that right now? Father, both sets of people, God, we give them to you. We ask for sanctification to have a powerful working in the lives of this church. And for the ones who raised their hand for salvation, Father, I pray that this would be their day of salvation. That you'd let the needs of those people be known to people who can step in. We can be a picture of Jesus Christ to them, Father. Do not let them walk out of here without the truth of what needs to happen. We love you, Christ, and praise you. Amen.